You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on clean. Now looking at the leper of Mark 1. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Hello, welcome back. This is Podcast 12 in Clean, the last in our series on leprosy, which is Section 2. The healing we're going to look at today is from the beginning of Mark Chapter 1. Last time, we looked at the healing of the 10 lepers, Luke 17, which was just a few days or a week or two before Jesus uh, died. This healing is placed, in contrast, at the very beginning of his ministry, and that will be important to keep in mind when we particularly uh, look at the instructions Jesus gives to the leper. It's a great story. It's very short. I'm going to read it once, and then I'll read it again as we break it down from the top. Mark 1, 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is our text. It has remarkably little detail, except for those those intriguing words uttered by the leper and the perfectly apt response given by Jesus. If you will, you can make me clean. The leper approaches Jesus. Afraid to ask? Or is he confident of asking? He seems to know Jesus can do it. He wonders if it's in Jesus' will. Is God so good? Is Jesus so inclined? I think we know a lot of times that we could overcome bad habits, sins, negative patterns of thinking. And We may say to God, well, of course, theoretically, I know, God, you can save me from this. You can make me a new man or a new woman. But is it your will? Are you going to do it now? You know, as though God were not fully behind us and fully supportive. Of course he is. There's something in here about prayer, isn't there? When we approach the Lord, how should we request things? Well, maybe if we feel as desperate as the leper felt, that won't be a problem. He's on his knees. He's imploring. Remember how expressive the Samaritan leper was in our previous podcast. Perhaps this one, too, had a loud voice. We don't know. He's unsure whether Jesus is willing. Of course Jesus is willing. Then, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Or we could translate, I am willing be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. There was no grounds for doubting the Lord. And notice what Jesus does. He touches him. 
wonder when was the last time this person had been touched by anyone. With leprosy, if he was still contagious, that is, if the disease uh, was still in its uh, running its course, then Jesus was putting himself at risk. To touch a leper would cause the uncleanness to flow from the leper to the person touching him. Ah, but Jesus is no usual person. It goes the other way. Jesus's cleanness moves from his hand to the leper. Wow, Jesus heals lepers? <laughs> what else will he do? He's able to heal him, and he's able to heal you and me of whatever needs healing. It could be something very painful in our past, our upbringing, something hard, some church situation, or maybe just a deep disappointment when a friend walks away from the Lord and, and will no longer uh, be honest with himself or, or with you. Well, then it says that Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. Now, he's not saying speak literally to no one because he had to go to the priest and say something. What Jesus is trying to get um, to go around to prevent is, is unnecessary publicity. He knows that this is the time for silence, for discretion. He's got few years of ministry ahead of him. He's really just starting. It didn't matter so much what the 10 lepers said from our previous lesson, Luke 17, because again, Jesus was dying a few days later. He's supposed to present evidence to the priest. And I'm just wondering myself, had this ever happened before? I bet it was the first time anyone ever came back and said, yep, my leprosy is clean. I'm okay now. I mean, maybe it happened in the Old Testament a couple of times. That is, if if they even permitted the lepers to reach out to the priest with the, with the news, with the message. I, I suspect it might not have been like that. That is that prejudice and fear of, of lepers would have prevented them from having anything to do with the, the temple apparatus. I don't know. But just imagine the shock when the priest realized, wait, you, you were a leper? Look at you now. A powerful testimony. This would have alerted the priest. Remember uh, Mark 11, uh, Matthew 11, we looked at last time, healing lepers was one of the things the Messiah does. And so that's, there's so many things in the Gospels that show that those priests who rejected Jesus, not all did, but most did, they had no excuse. He fulfilled every expectation. He signaled to them in many ways, uh, subtle and not so subtle, that he was the Messiah that they were waiting for. Well, we read that he went out and began to talk about his healing freely. Spread the news. That sounds good, right? It's good for evangelism. But in this case, it wasn't ideal. And look at the result. Jesus is no longer openly able to enter a town. So he used to stay away from the population centers. That wasn't his first choice. But you know, when people hear that a healer has come to town, there are these huge throngs. And Notice people coming to him from every quarter. So it's not like he couldn't go into the town and it wrecked his ministry. He still has plenty of work to do. It just wasn't his plan A. It wasn't the ideal. The man is spreading the news. Again, I would ask, what news? News of his healing? Or is it something a bit more than that? I found the Messiah. Or is it something else? News? Maybe he is now going to carry it to his fellow lepers. 
we can only speculate in the absence of much detail, perhaps all of these things, but he's spreading the news. So how does this apply to us? I've already suggested that because leprosy and sin uh, uh, parallel each other in many ways, leprosy cripples the body and the the, the uh, psyche. Sin cripples our uh, consciences, our effectiveness, our relationships. But like the lepers in both Testaments, we are not in a good way. Without Christ, we're in a very unpleasant condition. But since our condition is moral, spiritual, it's not just physical, it's more than that. Our predicament is really very serious. It's not a stretch. It's no exaggeration to compare leprosy and sin. To compare sin to leprosy actually accepts God's diagnosis that this is truly serious. And then when we come to the Lord, let's come to him in faith. The Lord is willing. Part of us may, you know, we we believe he could change our lives, but we're not totally sure, and, and we pray. I think even if we pray with a bit of faith, maybe not total faith, but we have just that mustard seed of faith, the Lord will hear and he'll answer and we will rejoice because he will act. He will heal you. What is your leprosy? What is my disfiguring uh, aspect? What, what is it that I would want no one else to see that makes me ashamed? What burden am I carrying around from my family of origin or maybe scars from ungodly, abusive leaders in the past? Maybe I was one of those people and I can't forgive myself. You know, it's not hard. It doesn't take terrific amount of imagination to see why the church cherished stories like this and why Matthew and Mark included it uh, in their gospel as they did. So that's the application. Now, tomorrow we're going to begin part three of Clean. uh, And this is the section on possession and exorcism. We're going to look at a number of people who had demons and then and then didn't. And I think that'll be interesting. It's certainly very practical. Also, could I ask you a favor? If you're enjoying this series, if you're benefiting personally, please tell others. You know, most people don't even know I have a website, even though I've been doing it for many years. And and tell them and direct them there and maybe invite them to join you. Even if they didn't start the new year, January 1st, with the series, you can start at any time. It's really designed to work for any period of uh, 31 consecutive days, any time, doesn't matter what month of the year. But if you could tell your friends, wow, I'd really appreciate that a lot. Thanks for listening. And back tomorrow as we enter section three of Clean, Possession and Exorcism. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on Clean. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.